It's time now for Politics Friday with Labor's Megan Woods. Morning, Megan. Morning, John. And National's Jerry Brownlee. Morning, Jerry. Morning, John. Morning, Megan. Morning, Jerry. This morning we have been following up our, my discussion yesterday with mayoral candidates David Mates and Phil Major, in which I asked them what the greatest challenge they thought was facing Christchurch, and they both said the Bromley situation. Um, and I've been sharing my view this morning that I think uh, that isn't the case. I think the biggest challenge is the silos that we have um, operating here in local government in the Greater Christchurch area with Selwyn, Waimakariri and um, Christchurch. Can I ask you both what you think is the greatest challenge facing Christchurch at the moment? We'll start with Megan Woods. Uh, thanks, John. <clears throat> and look, I think that Bromley's certainly urgent, uh, but it's a, it's a repair job. It will get fixed, but I don't think that it is kind of the most important if we're going to measure it in that way. I've heard some of your discussion this morning about whether or not we should go to amalgamation and a unitary authority. I was thinking more in terms of what are kind of the things I want to see for Canterbury. So park the kind of machinery of government thing, because sometimes I think we can get bogged down in the process around that. I think one of the biggest issues facing Christchurch is how we keep the momentum of having good opportunities for our young people when they finish their study here in Christchurch. I think one of the, the inadvertent silver linings of the earthquakes and the, the rebuild was actually there's been a lot of professional opportunities for people in Christchurch, which means there's been a generation of young people that have stayed here in Christchurch, made their lives, made their careers. That I didn't see with the cohort that I went through university. Most of the people I went through university with left. And I want to see that we're continuing that momentum to create opportunities for people to make their lives here. OK, I'll get to Jerry shortly, but Megan was just following up on that. So do you think that the mayoral candidates missed the mark? Well, I think it's really important for leaders to distinguish between the urgent and the important. I think that um, Bromley certainly falls into the urgent. I can't imagine um, being someone who lives um, you know, where that smell is coming through. It has to be fixed. But I think that um, probably in, in terms of importance, we need to be thinking about bigger picture and bigger vision. Jerry Brownie, what do you think is the biggest challenge facing Christchurch? Uh, well, I think it is, is probably along the lines of Megan. I was going to say, if you think back a few years, we've lost opportunities to get uh, very big employers in the city, particularly in the tech space. And I think uh, we've got to start thinking about that sort of stuff again and creating, from a local perspective, the sort of incentives that might bring in those big employers, high-paying employers, uh, that, that, you know, we'll, we'll see a flow of people coming out of uh, Canterbury University um, and into those sort of jobs remaining in our community. Isn't I think it? That's, a, that's a very big piece of thinking that needs to be done. It's all part of what you might call uh, keeping an oversight and a, a, a positive direction all the time on the infrastructure of the city, both physical and social, and I think that's where it's at. And so you can you can put under that all sorts of things like uh, you know, the Bromley works, and that's just a failure on the part of the council. They've just got to fix it. It's hardly, hardly a massive challenge. It's just a, a something they've got to do. Um, but something like the stadium is a big challenge. And if you think about it, we're a, we're a big city. There are civic amenities that you need to have to maintain that population, to create that, or to continue with that sort of excitement about living in a place. And I think... Um, there are lots of opportunities in Christchurch and in the Greater Christchurch as well. Like some of our callers this morning, Megan touched on the idea of amalgamating local uh, councils here. What's your view on that? One of the things that worked after the earthquake was um, the uh, fact that there was a, the urban development plan that allowed for all of that uh, land to be considered for residential housing. And you've seen where that's uh, built up over the last um, 
10 years. We're at a point now where that, that consideration needs to be, to be uh, on the cards again. That was councils working together to make something happen. I much prefer it was an organic arrangement like that than something that was enforced. Megan, don't you think it's nuts that you've got the likes of Selwyn signing off on these huge housing developments at the same time you've got Christchurch saying, oh, look, look over here, come and live in the central city? Well, I think we're in danger of Jerry and I agreeing on everything this morning. Actually, um, <laughs> no, 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 no. The, the one thing that hasn't been covered, Megan, is I couldn't help myself but wondering, when you see everyone you went to university with left the city, do you take any personal responsibility? <laughs> Oh, absolutely, Jerry. It's probably because you might have taught some of them at Saint Oh, here we go. Here we go. Okay, let's get back to the council. There was a there was. Hold on a minute. There was a lot of honour in woodwork. I'll just say that. No, nothing wrong with that. No. I think that um, in terms of, I think that there's a lot of stuff we can do before we get to formal amalgamations. Anytime you start kind of playing with the machinery of government, it takes a huge amount of um, energy and impetus and people get bogged down in process. And I think what we're all talking about is actually wanting to see momentum and see things happen. I think that um, even before the earthquakes, we had the urban development strategy. That was way back in, what, 2006 or something like that, where we had an agreement across Selwyn, Wymac in the city. This is where we're going to build houses in the future. This is how we can plan together as a, a greater region. That we've got also, um, we've recently brought um, the, the councils and Waka Kotahi and the regional council together in the Greater Christchurch Partnership Group so that we can um, have a forum where we discuss these things together and central governments there as well. I certainly agree with you, John, that we've got to have more cooperation across all the different um, left and right hands so that everybody knows what everyone else is doing and we're planning uh, for the good of the region, not for the good of a particular council. All right. Can we move? I wish you'd put some of that thinking into the, the health system before you went for this massive, big conglomerate that's going to be very bureaucratically expensive with, I think, very little change to the actual service delivery. But, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Two points to Jerry for that one. Uh, yes, we are going to move on. on. Would you like us to move on to the next topic, Megan? Oh, look, I think that what we do know is with our health system, it hasn't been delivering um, for New Zealanders. So anyone can look around the country. We see that we've had DHBs that, um, for year on year on year have been running deficits. It's been, it's been an accounting um, facade that's been out there. We've got to make sure that we're delivering those services uh, where they need to the people that need them, and it's not an accident of where you happen to live. All right, let's so, move um, on. absolutely disagree. I get it. Uh, let's move on to the Prime Minister's visit to Australia. And her comments yesterday that the United Nations has been morally bankrupt in its response to the situation in Ukraine. Megan Woods, do you agree with that? Oh, look, I mean, I think that um, what we've seen with the situation in Ukraine is actually the limitation of the UN, the fact that, that, um, that um, one of the, well, the, the perpetrator um, of what's happening in the world actually has a power of veto in terms of sitting on the, uh, on the Security Council. And I think that's why we've seen such a departure for New Zealand and that we have, um, for the first time since the Second World War, um, um, been involved in bilateral, um, so working directly with other countries in terms of our response to something that's happening in the world. I think anyone can see that the UN hasn't been the vehicle that has put together the response to the Ukraine, and it's kind of structural, and it's because one of the, because the perpetrator is sitting there. That was a long response, but it didn't answer the question. Do you agree with the Prime Minister oh, when she says well, the... the answer's always, always yes, do I agree with the Prime Minister, John. <laughs> All right. The Prime Minister said yesterday that Jerry Brownlee was a great guy. Do you agree with that? Oh, look, you know how well Jerry and I get on, John. 
Jerry, can we get your response, please? Do you think the you agree the Prime Minister of the UN has, has been morally bankrupt with Ukraine? Uh, look, I think the, the interesting thing about that speech yesterday was some aspects that I found quite confusing. So firstly, I think that the UN does need massive reform, and her speech yesterday called for that. The question is, it's all very well to call for it. What will New Zealand actually do? What's that next step to breaking that lock on the UN uh, that exists within the, the Security Council? Because as, as at the moment, for any UN reform, those Security Council members, would all permanent members, would all have to agree on it. So it's kind of a catch-22 thing. Someone has to break that by starting to talk about what a reform would look like. Jerry, the Prime Minister's meeting today with the Australian Prime Minister, Mr Albanese, what would you want her to come away with for you to think it was successful? Well, look, uh, there's so much about the relationship that's already successful. So the, the fact that they're our second biggest trading partner, there's no issues around trade, which is so important for New Zealand. Where I think the uh, 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 some sort of meeting of minds needs to be is around what will be discussed at the Pacific Island Forum coming up shortly and, and how particularly... Uh, will that forum uh, make a request for the United States to put a little bit more flesh and bone on their Indo-Pacific economic framework, uh, which is their counter to uh, China's um, you know, very considerable uh, proposal for a closer partnership in the Pacific. So what would today's meeting, how would that influence that? Well, the other two, they both should be at the um, Pacific Island Forum leaders meeting next week. Uh, that's a face-to-face meeting with all Pacific leaders. And I think uh, if, if Australia and New Zealand are lockstep in what they would like to see uh, for the, the, the development of security in the region, uh, then that would be of great value to the other Pacific leaders who are there to, to um, discuss it. And those are the leaders who, of course, got the very significant proposal from China sitting on the table. Megan Woods, what is the government going into today's, today's meeting wanting to come out with? Well, I think we can say from <clears throat> this will be about the, the third time that um, the, the Prime Minister has met with um, Albanese since he was elected last month, that I think that, um, that, that our, our place in the world in foreign affairs is going to be top of the agenda. I think that Jerry's quite correct. We've got that Pacific Island Forum leaders meeting coming up and how it is that New Zealand and Australia uh, work together at that meeting uh, for the good of the region. I think that will be really clear. I think that we've seen that from the meetings that they've had already. I mean, one of those meetings, of course, has been where they both were invited to the NATO meeting in Spain. So I think we can see for both of them that um, that kind of the global affairs are are top of the agenda. They'll also be some of the ongoing more domestic issues. So, of course, the Prime Minister's been there. The front end of the week has all been about um, trade um, and making sure that we're re-establishing and reconnecting those really strong business links for New Zealand there. So looking for opportunities, making sure that we're continuing to strengthen those and as we recover from COVID that they are strong as well. Is she asking directly for the 501 scheme to be scrapped? Well, the 501, of course, was raised at her very first meeting with Albanese. Um, I imagine it would well come up today. I think that the Prime Minister is absolutely correct when she talks about this is as much a matter of the rights of, um, of, of citizenship in Australia. I think we've always said if someone is genuinely um, a New Zealander, they were raised here, that we've created the problem, then sure, obviously, um, bring those people home. But the question is about when it is that someone who was born in New Zealand <clears throat> but lived their, lives their life in, New Ze- in Australia 
gets the right to become um, a citizen, and I think this is something that you've seen our Prime Minister has consistently brought up with her Australian counterpart. So it is, on the, agenda, it is on the agenda today, then? I, I, uh, Megan, I can't confirm categorically, but um, it has been at every other point, John, so I can't imagine it wouldn't mean she's been absolutely hot on this issue. Jerry Brunley? Yeah, Megan, I, I didn't bring it up because I understood from that last meeting that there was going to be some work done on uh, establishing some criteria for who would stay in Australia and who wouldn't on the basis of how long they've been there and where, where their, the bulk of their criminal activity had been carried out. Is that underway? Or, or well, that's that's exactly there? what I said, that it is this issue of citizenship, about <clears throat> when it is that someone does qualify to be there. Um, that certainly is um, where we want to see it go, and I imagine there would be a check-in at the meeting on that today. So is that work underway, that was what Jerry um, was saying? Well, well I'm, I'm not involved in it. I imagine it is. Um, but I imagine that it also will be something in terms of the meeting today between the two leaders. You said, you, said it, you said it was the third meeting. I thought they'd only had two meeting, meetings. Is there another one we don't know about? No, no, they met. They were both at NATO, okay. the NATO meeting. All right, brilliant. Okay, COVID. The COVID cases is up over 10,000. If we look up the old paperwork with the old traffic light setting, we should be at red now, shouldn't we, Megan? Uh, no, so we know that um, we only very recently had a review of the traffic light settings, and there isn't kind of a number. Um, that said over there, there's um, this stage there's no expectation that we would be moving to red and that's for a couple of really good reasons. One is um, the, the real difference between orange and red is around gathering limits. And so the question you have to ask yourself is would limiting gathering limits, would that be stopping the, tra- the chains of transmission and cases that we're seeing? And the answer is that we're getting back is probably not, that that's not where we think the transmission is happening also compared to where we were previously when we were at 10,000 cases and at red. Um, a, a, a vast um, number of us have now had COVID, um, so that we do have, um, as probably some modelling puts it, as high as 2 million New Zealanders have now been infected with COVID, whereas when we were there earlier in the year, um, very, very few New Zealanders have, have had it. Jerry Brunley, any change needed? Uh, no, I think uh, we were at. And one of the things that's interesting is that because is you, we, is that because you, you you want that, or you think that is all that's needed? No, I was going to say one of the things that is interesting is the uh, high incidence of of winter flu that's coming through at the moment, and a suggestion by by some people that um, if medical people that it that we have a lower resistance because of the uh, isolation that we went through um, for those almost two years, and I think. There's something in that. I, I, I just think we're, we're managing it at the moment, uh, so let's not disrupt life uh, un, unduly. Final topic, what's been happening in the UK with uh, Boris Johnson? And it's been suggested by some that he is the worst Prime Minister the UK has ever had. Megan Woods, your thoughts on that? Uh, I, th- I think we can look and just see how extraordinary um, what's been happening over there. I think, I mean, Jerry and I have... Um, both been in our respective parties through various um, leadership skirmishes. Uh, but I think this is on a different plane um, in terms of, um, I think, that would be tolerated in New Zealand. I can't imagine um, the media, John, letting this go for a moment to, uh, in the way what we've seen play out. Um, and it's been quite a three years. It hasn't just been the last month. In terms of whether or not he's the worst Prime Minister the UK's ever had, um, I don't know if I'm in a position to make that judgment, having not um, lived in the UK or lived through other Prime Ministers, but I think certainly that you can certainly see from reading media 
reports that people have just had a gut fill. And when you have a cabinet um, resigning one minister after the time saying they can't serve with that leader, things are in pretty dire straits. I mean, I don't think someone would survive being opposition leader in New Zealand, let alone being prime minister for as long as he did with that happening. Jerry Brownlee, is he the worst prime minister the UK's ever had? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think um, history will smile on him quite uh, kindly. Um, what? It just looks very messy at the moment. Well, I mean, it's a very significant thing to have taken Britain out of uh, the EU. I think the, the fact also is that he won uh, very, very convincingly uh, just three years ago. So, uh, you know, he's not by far away, not by far and away the, the worst that uh, Britain's ever had. And I'm only thinking about in, uh, uh, you know, the terms of the last century. So if you go back further, there's all sorts of despots in there. Like who? But, like who? Um, like who? Uh, well, look, I don't have them at the top of my head. But uh, remember that we've, we've had, there were British prime ministers who presided over uh, slavery, for example, uh, the, the working age of children being right down to six, all sorts of things like that that uh, I think are far worse than anything uh, Boris has been done. But the last, the last um, uh, really two months have been pretty awful just to watch. And uh, the fact that it's now sort of coming to a conclusion does give, restore a little bit of faith in uh, in the Westminster system, which which we operate under here in New Zealand as well. Do you think he's so had? A, has he had a hard time? Do you think? Do you think he's had a hard time? Uh, well, I'm not going to comment on what it's been like for him. I'm talking about the the uh, uh, process, the system, and the type of government that we operate. It would not be tolerated in New Zealand. I know that for absolute certain. Megan Woods, what is Boris Johnson's legacy? Uh, look, I, I think all the commentators say that he'll go down in history as the Brexit Prime Minister. And I think that's without doubt. I think that's a, a, ma- a major um, initiative that happened at the time he was Prime Minister and he took Britain through. And I think that's what he'll be remembered for. Um, probably there will be some footnotes of history around Partygate um, and some of the other things as well. Jerry, what are you hearing from Christopher Luxon about what it's been like trying to get appointments with the Conservative ministers? <laughs> uh, not easy. Not easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, well you, you wouldn't know who you're dealing with on a daily basis, would you? No, I think there's been one or two cancellations, which are, uh, are quite understandable in the circumstance. Has the trip been worthwhile so I think then? It might be an hourly basis that you wouldn't know who you're dealing with <laughs> the way things have been rolling over. I, I, loved, I loved a time, I, I saw John Key speaking once, and he said whenever he met the Australian Prime Minister, he asked him to wear a name badge so he knew who he was talking to. Yeah, look, uh, the, the, it, it, I suppose, look, these things happen, but the point I was making before is that eventually they are resolved, and uh, the, the sort of general politics of our countries, which are very democratic, uh, do prevail. And I think that's the important thing that's come out of all this. All right. Thank you both. Enjoy the weekend. You too. Wonderful. Thank you. Bye. Politics Friday. Nationals Jerry Brownlee and Labour's Megan Woods.